This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Vancouver police are releasing dash cam video that shows a suspect shoving a good Samaritan into traffic. The man suffered devastating injuries and now police hope you can help find the person responsible. Ted Chernecki has more on what led up to the incident. Talking and drinking a little bit. Hey, his level's just... The rapper Logic was playing at the PE Amphitheater on Sunday, July 15th, and all the participants in what would happen at the end of this concert were believed to be in attendance. But after the concert, two men were walking to a Hastings Street bus stop when they encountered a young Asian woman who they thought was in distress. They checked on the well-being of this woman. Less than a quarter block away, as you'll see in the video, as they approached the bus stop, you see the suspect who was walking the same direction, which would have been westbound on Hastings, launch into a run or a sprint towards these two men. He pushes both men, which leads to the victim going into traffic and being run over by an SUV. That SUV had a dash cam running. The driver stopped and remained at the scene. And while police are only releasing a short clip of what they have, they are appealing for anyone else driving by just before 10.30 Sunday night, July 15th, to contact them. We're asking anybody who may have been driving in the area around that time that has dash cam video, uh, either before, or during, or after the event, to contact us. Let us have a look at your uh, video. You may be sitting on something that's important for our investigation. So this man is described as Caucasian. Uh, he's in his mid twenties, six feet tall to six foot two. He's described as having a heavy athletic build, short dark hair with dark stubble on his face. The victim is a 37-year-old from Surrey. His injuries are serious, but he's hopeful of making a full recovery. His friend and witness is obviously shook up, but police won't release his identity just yet. And since posting the video and composite drawing this morning, police say some new witnesses have come forward, but they want more. Ted Chernucky, Global News. A suspect in at least two suspicious fires this morning has been arrested on Jericho Beach. Witnesses say just after 5 a.m., a man dressed in a yellow vest, carrying a big backpack and a sledgehammer, was seen on the beach. Moments later, the sound of smashing glass was heard and the fire alarm went off at the Jericho Beach Club. A 33-year-old suspect was later arrested on the beach. VPD say there was another suspicious fire at the Vancouver Yacht Club this morning and they're looking at the possibility the suspect could be connected to others. We won't rule anything out. We'll be looking at all the links to see what happened here, if they're similar to other incidents that happened and uh, looking into the history of the suspect. Victoria police are investigating an alleged assault at a McDonald's restaurant that was all caught on video. It happened July 14th in the, at the McDonald's in the 1500 block of Hillside Avenue. Staff say the suspect, unhappy with her order, became verbally abusive. When a staff member offered to refund her money, the woman threw several items at the employee, striking him. An unidentified male intervenes, apparently trying to de-escalate the incident, but the woman then punches one of the ordering kiosks several times, knocking it out of order. A person matching the description of the woman in the video has contacted Victoria Police, and the investigation continues. 
More tonight on an illegal short-term rental on the North Shore. The owner unapologetically violating both strata and city bylaws. The townhouse listed online as a hostel with as many as 15 beds. John Hua explains why strata members feel the city is at least partially to blame for the problem. The Oasis House in North Vancouver is no longer listed on Google. But this townhouse turned 15 bed hostel is still very much on the map for all the wrong reasons. And they're coming into what potentially could be a fire hazard, potentially bed bugs. There's absolutely no regulations happening inside of this unit. You said that you're going to call cop on me every day. How come no cop coming? Despite violating city bylaws and fire safety regulations, the owner Emily Yu insists she's done nothing wrong, even showing Global News her business license. That document allowed me to do business anywhere in Canada. The only problem, that's not a business license, just an incorporation certificate, which doesn't authorize you to set up shop in North Vancouver. So you have no active business license, though, from the city of North Vancouver? Right now? Yes. No. According to documents, the city has known about MLU's hostel since the spring of 2016. And since then, it's only sent you three letters and conducted four voluntary inspections, each time noting that you was never in full compliance with its bylaws or fire safety regulations. In many cases, the situation only got worse. Then in December of 2017, you decide to not let inspectors in at all. And it took the city until March of this year to finally order an entry warrant. It would be helpful if the local governments would enforce their bylaws. But Tony Gioventu says legal action is often a last resort. They don't want to go to court. They don't want to get orders against the individuals. It blows my mind. You know, you, put, you park illegally for five minutes and you've got a ticket. You have an illegal business running for two years and they do almost nothing. And while you claims to have both home and commercial insurance, experts warn that might not be enough. If you are knowingly operating your business in contravention of local bylaws or the fire code, uh, and you have misrepresented the nature of your business to your insurer, it's unlikely that they would respond should you have a claim. While Use Oasis House may no longer be on Google Maps, the weaknesses of a system that's meant to stop her is being showcased for everyone to see. John Hua, Global News. The city of Vancouver is taking a step to wrestle two notorious SROs away from the owners in the downtown east side. Catherine Urquhart joins us now from the newsroom with the details on this, Catherine. This involves the Balmoral and the Regent Hotels and the owners, the Sohota family. That's right, Chris. This is the latest development in a long battle between the city of Vancouver and the Sohota family, considered by many to be slumlords. Atrocious conditions at both the Balmoral and the Regent prompted hundreds of bylaw violation notices. Even demands for safety improvements were ignored. That led the city to close both buildings and relocate 300 people. Vancouver's deputy city manager says the properties could eventually be publicly owned, providing much-needed low-income housing. They do have the opportunity to request an inquiry into the expropriation. Uh, that would take time. Uh, once the issue of the expropriation is resolved, they can also then challenge the amount of money that's provided in compensation for the properties, which could take longer. The city says it did offer to buy the properties, but were turned down by the Sahota family. Global News reached out to the Sahota's lawyer for comment about the expropriation notice. So far, we have not received a response. Chris? Well, let's hope that comes soon. Thanks very much, Catherine.
Mixed reaction tonight to a proposal that would extend veteran license plates and recognition to RCMP officers. Richard Zussman reports on why the Legion feels the move is necessary to its survival, while the Veterans Association is fighting to stop it. For Lieutenant Colonel Archie Stacy, it's a symbol of pride. I feel really good when I'm driving my car and I see people that stop and say thank you. Now Stacy is part of a campaign to keep the veterans plates for military veterans. Stacy, alongside other members of the BC Veterans Commemorative Association, met with Attorney General David Eby today. The provincial government's in the midst of public consultation about whether retired RCMP officers should also get the veteran plates. It's very sacred to them and for anyone to want to take it away from them, it's just unbelievable. The Royal Canadian Legion is leading the charge for Mountie inclusion, something that happens in Ontario, Quebec, Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. So some people that are eligible in one province may not be eligible in another province and that causes some, some concerns, especially for people who are mobile. The Legion has sent a letter to the BC government saying that if Mounties aren't accepted as part of the Veterans Plate program, they could ask the government to require the poppy to be removed from the plates. The Royal Canadian Legion owns the trademark for the poppy symbol. The plates, which are meant to recognize and honor service, also provide some minor perks in smaller communities. The province hoping this consultation provides a chance for the general public to weigh in. As best as possible, because this is a public recognition, we want to ensure that uh, the public's views about who should be recognized and how are included in this process. And soon, government will have to decide who wins out between two groups with very different opinions. Richard Zussman, Global News. The Premier is reacting today to a move by First Nations to seek an injunction to stop the Site C project. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. And Keith, First Nations opposed to the project say it threatens their constitutional rights. Exactly, yeah, Chris. We're talking about the West Moberly Nation in the Site C area saying their constitutionally protected rights when it comes to traditional hunting and fishing are imperiled by the dam's construction. We got some fresh footage in uh, just recently from a drone perspective of the uh, of, of the immense work site that's up there at Site C. 2,000 people employed. It's a very busy time this time of year. Uh, this is the most accessible part because of the weather. Uh, but we did catch up with Premier John Horgan for the first time today asking him what, what he thought about that injunction and does it in peril the biggest infrastructure project his government has going well we knew when we made the decision to carry forward with site c that there was a host of challenges uh, awaiting that project not least of which were the court challenges from indigenous communities in the north uh, but we're confident that, uh, that the decision that we made to proceed was the right course of action for a new government uh, looking at a significant sunk cost in that project. 25% completed. We now want to make that project better. We want to make sure that there is benefit to the local community with respect to training. Uh, there were no, very few apprentices on the site uh, before uh, the government changed. We're trying to turn that around. Now, another reason this dam is not going to stop from John Horgan's perspective is because the unionized building trades are now very active there as well. They're uh, uh, accessible to one of the latest big contracts out there. So it's a big job creation vehicle for the Horgan government. So if this injunction does not go through, don't look for the dam to cease uh, construction at all. Chris? Oh, all right. Thanks very much, Keith. Keith Baldry reporting in Victoria. Right now, though, a Vancouver restaurant owner is firing back after a scathing online review. 
The male diner calling his experience one of the worst he's ever had. But it turns out the restaurant wasn't too thrilled with him either. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, they're happy he's vowed never to come back. The Rumpus Room on Main. Comfort food in an eclectic space. Gets 4.4 stars on Google reviews. Most everyone seems happy with their experience. Everyone except for a guy named Cal, who called his dining experience awful. The review, though, not what it seems. When this review came in, I was pretty aware of everything that had gone on the night. Owner Rachel Zottenberg fired back online, accusing the reviewer of sexual misconduct, alleging inappropriate advances towards a server and going so far as to try to force her into the bathroom. The police weren't called. The customer was asked to pay his bill and leave. We also wanted him to understand that it was about us and how, what, we, what we think is appropriate within our space and in our buildings, so we handled it within our team. Unwanted sexual advances against servers, not at all uncommon. The hospitality industry is trying to take a stand, and some servers are fighting back too. Most recently, a woman in Georgia tackled a guy who grabbed her inappropriately. Researchers in Victoria say the power dynamic between customers and servers leaves women with little recourse. They're launching an education campaign. Start to be able to build a culture within um, the restaurant and bar industry um, that essentially is saying we don't accept this kind of violence and we have mechanisms in place um, to ensure that people don't experience it. The reaction to Zottenberg's post has been overwhelmingly positive. Other servers confiding in her how they've been sexualized over their career. Speaking out, just the first step. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, it's a popular topic right now because it's hard to escape. It's the heat. Many Metro Vancouverites probably ready for a little break. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with a look at the temperatures, some uh, record-breaking numbers. Christy? Yes, we have a number of them across the province, which I'll show you when I come back. But another of areas in through the Fraser Valley today, looking at extreme heat, almost like a mirage is seen in through some areas. And that's actually the heat over the road that's creating a fake image of either sky or sort of looks like uh, water. Now, check out some of these numbers. 34 degrees in Chilliwack, uh, Cultus Lake, 37, 34 in Langley today. Now, we don't have long-standing records in some of these smaller stations, but I can tell you from my experience, I would say these are record-breaking temperatures. Now, we do have some relief, but it's not going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, another hot one. Wednesday will be your transition day, and finally some relief expected Thursday through the weekend. When I come back, I'll show you those records. All right, thanks, Christy. The woman whose golden retriever was stabbed in a random attack in Kitsilano yesterday is thanking the Good Samaritan who stepped in to save her dog. That's right. Copper is now recovering at home after a coffee shop employee rushed in to stop the suspect. Tanya Beja reports. Come on, sweetie. Come on. Copper is back on his feet just one day after being stabbed multiple times. He was stabbing down, so it's puncture wounds. This is one. There are two more and several surface injuries, but Copper's organs were spared in the attack. I was in shock. All I, could, I couldn't even dial 911 on my phone. Rose Steinmeier was walking her 11-year-old retriever near West Forth and you Sunday morning when a man approached from behind. Actually lifted his harness and started stabbing at his spine. 
Police say the incident began near Arbutus and West 13th when a man stabbed his roommate. The knife-wielding suspect then targeted Copper before a patron and an employee at 49th Parallel rushed out to help, one striking the suspect with a cup while the other carried Copper to safety. Hey, this is hard. Thank you. No, no, Thank no worries. Not so at all. My much. pleasure. My pleasure. Everybody's okay? Yeah. <laughs> Can I get your name at least? Oh, it's Jonathan. Rose. <laughs> and this is Copper. <laughs> yes, he is. I'm not going to lie, I was pretty scared. Um, but I guess it needed to be done. Um, uh, myself as an animal lover. Um, I mean, I couldn't just stand there. When police arrived on scene, they say the suspect resisted arrest. Three officers were injured in the process. We attempted to subdue him using less lethal weapons, such as a beanbag gun and uh, pepper spray. Those were not effective, and a number of officers were able to physically take control of this person, get him into custody, get him handcuffed, and get him to hospital for medical treatment. The suspect and victim are both still in hospital. No charges have yet been laid. A GoFundMe page was set up to cover Copper's medical bills. His owner wants to thank everyone who came to their rescue. With the help that they gave and the care that they showed, it, it, was, it was quite touching. Tanya Beja, Global News. Glad to see Copper doing okay. Well, YVR is celebrating the dog days of summer. Hi, baby! Oh, you make it out. <laughs> yeah, Today marks the one-year anniversary of the Less Airport Stress Initiative, or Lassie for short. That offers ambassador dogs to calm any pre-flight fears. Big Norm, one of the original comfort and therapy dogs leading the YVR pack. Working animals are being celebrated too. Border services detection dogs and pads assistance puppies also helping to keep passengers safe and relaxed. Having a dog is an amazing ability to reduce that stress. And we've seen people literally in tears after being with the dog and saying, now I'm ready to fly, I feel so much better. So it really matters and it's really lovely to be able to offer that to the traveling public. An Ontario family wants some answers after their nearly new SUV exploded in flames last week while their son was inside. They got him out in time, but as Sean O'Shea reports, it was a close call they never saw coming. This is uh, the oil spill and gas spills that, uh, uh, that spilled over from the car. Chris Ratnasingham and his wife Anissa Maharaj back at the scene of their Jeep fire three days later. 2015 Cherokee engulfed in flames here in rural Hamilton. This is all that was left. Just because I thought maybe we could have lost our lives here. The trio having a brush with the unimaginable when they drove up to their rural mailbox. Went over to grab my mail from my mailbox. I was looking at my mail um, less than maybe a minute and went right back to the the car popped the hood open and you could see a small flame right in the middle of the engine and uh, starting up. Chris's wife and son in the back seat of the car waiting. Mom and son got out fast. At the moment I was just thinking my baby and my wife. Chris ran to the volunteer fire hall a few meters away but nobody was there. Did it surprise you how quickly it went up? Oh it uh, completely caught, caught me off guard. It, uh, the flames caught on fire and, and the whole car was engulfed within literally Four minutes, it was so fast. Luckily, everyone was safe. Now Chris wants to know how a vehicle shut off could catch fire. I hope that this is just a one-time event and it's nothing uh, that is happening over and over again. Fiat Chrysler told Global News it's never seen an engine fire like this one on that 2015 Cherokee. The company says it wants to investigate. This story is a stark reminder of why it's important never to leave a child alone in a car. 
This couple didn't. Don't do that um, because you just never know. Um, if if I had been checking the mail, I mean, I don't know what would have happened. Like, could I have gotten back into the car to save him? You always get a SUV thinking that you'll be safe in it. Uh, you never really think that the vehicle is the one that's going to uh, cause you harm. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Hamilton. Numerous structures on fire. The car fire exploding overnight near Redding, California. Cameras capture the swirling tower of flames. A fire NATO, as it's known, as the death toll climbs. Eight lives lost so far and hundreds of homes destroyed as an unpredictable wildfire continues to ravage the state. Now, 17 of the 100 wildfires burning across the western U.S. are in California, where a major fire emergency is getting worse tonight. Thousands more homes are in danger to the south, where another fire burns near wine country. This is the firefight crews are waging on the front lines. After ripping into Redding in northern California, the car fire tore through more than a thousand structures. At least six have lost their lives. Melody Bledsoe wrapped a wet blanket around her great-grandchildren, Emily and James, as fire engulfed their house. Their bodies recovered over the weekend. You can't lose more than family, and then you lose everything on top of that. The inferno so powerful, it's creating its own weather, including fire natos. Just all gone. Piper and Matt Smith's neighborhood was incinerated in minutes. We waited years to buy this place, first home. The car fire is still threatening 5,000 structures. Tonight across California, 17 wildfires are raging. Outside Yosemite, a second firefighter, a hot shot, killed in that blaze. And now a new threat in wine country, the Mendocino complex fire threatening 10,000 structures. Everything is extremely dry and just, it's like the perfect recipe for a major fire. The perfect storm for another monster blaze with perhaps the most dangerous days still to come. And how's this for a heartwarming thank you? A month old fawn pulled from the devastating car fire, uh, sharing some love with her rescuer. Highway Patrol Sergeant Dave Fawson getting a lick on the neck before the baby deer was taken to an animal rescue society. Glad that little guy's going to be okay. All right, a secret air marshal program set up by the Transportation Security Administration, or TSA as we know it, is raising privacy concerns tonight. The program tracks and monitors American citizens who are flying in the U.S., people who have no criminal background and are not on a terror watch list. The program is called Quiet Skies. Federal air marshals following two to three dozen Americans every day through airports and onto planes, even sitting right next to them. The marshals told to report back if the traveler changes clothes in a restroom, perspires excessively, fidgets, trembles or stares, uses a phone or computer. Passengers are selected for monitoring if their foreign travel and other factors raise concerns, including criminal records, curious financial transactions, email or phone numbers linked to terror suspects. Among the passengers followed a businesswoman who was in Turkey, even a flight attendant. You have over 2 million people a day that currently travel in and around the United States. You're looking for a threat that's so small 
It's less than a needle in the haystack. The TSA tells NBC News the primary purpose of this program is to ensure passengers and flight crew are protected during air travel. We recently talked to TSA Chief David Pekoski about the air marshals. For passengers, I think they should feel very safe and secure that we have a federal air marshal service that does provide that in-flight security. But travelers are never told they've been followed, their activities documented, raising privacy concerns. It should go without saying that government agents shouldn't be monitoring travelers without a good reason for doing so. And the Air Marshals Union complains the program is a waste of time. The American public would be better served if these marshals were instead assigned to airport screening and check-in areas so that active shooter events can be swiftly ended. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. It's enough to make a car lover cry. Millions of dollars worth of smuggled luxury vehicles destroyed in the Philippines today. A bulldozer plowing over dozens of Porsches, Mercedes-Benzes, Lamborghinis, as well as eight Harley-Davidson motorcycles. President Rodrigo Duterte looking on wearing a hard hat as the cars and bikes were flattened. His government says it's destroying $5.4 million worth of illegally imported vehicles. The public crushing is aimed at deterring smuggling and government corruption. CBS is calling for an independent investigation after its board met today to discuss allegations against CEO Les Moonves. The move follows a bombshell report in The New Yorker highlighting accusations of sexual misconduct. Tonight, CBS's board of directors taking no immediate action against CEO Les Moonves. The media company at a previously scheduled meeting now calling for an independent investigation, seeking outside counsel, following the bombshell New Yorker report accusing Moonves of sexual misconduct. The article details six women's accounts, four on the record, that include accusations ranging from forcible touching or kissing to physical intimidation between the 1980s and the 2000s. Moonves's wife, longtime TV host Julie Chen, reiterating her support of her husband on CBS's The Talk. I issued the one and only statement I will ever make on this topic on Twitter. And I will stand by that statement today, tomorrow, forever. Moonves saying in part, I recognize that there were times decades ago when I may have made some women uncomfortable by making advances. Those were mistakes and I regret them immensely. And I have never misused my position to harm or hinder anyone's career. Moonves's position now in question. It seems like they're afraid to name the CEO in any of their communications. Why? Because I think they want to leave Leslie Moonves to decide for himself whether he's going to step down. In a statement last Friday, CBS said, We do not believe, however, that the picture of our company created in The New Yorker represents a larger organization that does its best to treat its tens of thousands of employees with dignity and respect. In Health Matters tonight, a new study suggests pressuring kids to eat the foods they hate won't cure picky eating. Researchers at the University of Michigan found coercing children into eating things they don't want to is useless. Kids who were selective about which foods they wanted to consume remained that way, regardless of how much mom and dad insisted otherwise. Experts also say picky eating rarely leads to problems with true vitamin deficiencies or poor growth. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. 
A transient orca that's been hanging out in the waters off the Comox Valley is drawing crowds to beaches and thrilling boaters. But as Kylie Stan reports, there are some real concerns that people are getting too close as experts try to solve the mystery of why the whale is lingering. He comes out of nowhere and puts on a show. I got this all on video! Breaching not once, but twice, giving a couple of paddleboarders the experience of a lifetime. We had this crazy encounter where I was just paddling along and all of a sudden I heard the blow. It kind of went whoosh. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, nice. The 27-year-old male orca has been here in the waters near Royston, B.C. for about a week now and making quite a splash. Yeah, in, in the backyard, really. I heard it's been putting on a show out here. So. The whale has been identified as T073B. He normally moves up and down the coast from Alaska to Northern California, but lately hasn't been as transient. Even to see a killer whale in one area for, for a whole day is, is sometimes quite unusual. So considering this is a very confined area, and he's been here for a week, uh, we are quite concerned. There it is. While the orca is known to travel alone, Fisheries and Oceans Canada is monitoring the situation, also using this as an opportunity to educate the public. There is a new regulation in place, uh, put in place earlier this month, uh, where it's uh, a minimum approach distance of 200 meters for killer whales in Western Canada. Officers are on the water enforcing that rule, hoping that respecting the whale's space will help it to move on. Oh. Until then, just a walk on the beach could mean catching a glimpse of the creature in his natural habitat. Blowing away. An experience many people pay good money for, now totally priceless. Oh <laughs> to catch a killer whale that close with the video camera was just an absolute gift. Kylie Stanton, Global News. <laughs> well, you think Vancouver real estate is expensive? How much this empty lot in L.A. will cost you right after Christie's forecast? At least it's not a teardown. There's nothing there to tear down. Uh, let's check in with Christie. Yes, hot. Yes. Hot, 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 but relief is coming. Relief is coming. And, you know, I was surprised when I looked through the records. We have about a handful of records across the province right now, possibly some more as we get the official numbers in. Uh, but that was surprising. And the reason is actually we've had uh, 2003 and 2009 on this day had incredible heat also. But here's a look at the numbers. I mean, these are really incredible. Lillooet, 40 degrees, exactly. Pemberton, 39.7. Kelowna, 36.9. And Vernon, 37.4. The hot spot across Canada and another record was in Lytton today. Second day in the row, the Lytton has hit 41 degrees. Yesterday, 41.4. Today, 41.1. It is hot in Lytton. All right, I want to show you some of these other numbers because they really are incredible. 34 in Coquitlam, for example. Pitt Meadows, 33. Langley, 34. Uh, Cultus Lake hitting 37 degrees. And you'll see the heat is right across the province. And yes, finally some relief. Not tomorrow, everyone. And Wednesday will be a transition day, but by Thursday and through the weekend, you can expect relief. How about the smoke? It's hazy across Metro Vancouver. We do have a air quality advisory in place for much of the province. As you can see, I think when we start to see this air mass change on Wednesday, you'll see a little bit of relief from that uh, haziness, certainly across Metro Vancouver, but not completely. It may take a little while for us to clear that out. And it is tinder dry, everyone. When we get a relative humidity at 35% or lower, we start to lose moisture to the air in the ground. 
So we have had a couple of days of this. Add heat up to 30, 40 degrees, and so it is tinder dry. Now we've got lightning across the province right now. We'll see it again tomorrow and on Thursday. Here's a look at that forecast showing you the risk of lightning from Dees Lake all the way across the Caribou Central Interior regions and in the south. One more hot day, but that chance of lightning will shift further south for you on Wednesday and then bring in that risk. Hot for one more day. Again, Wednesday's our transition day, but you'll feel the relief for Thursday and certainly Friday and through our weekend. And I've got a really nice shot for you for our weather window from 100 Mile House. Shaughnessy sent us this. Just an evening of fishing. How's that for Tranquil. a summer? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Christy. Very cool. Well, if you're looking for some prime property in L.A., a view lot is on the market, but it's not exactly a steal of a deal. No, it's undeveloped land, and it sits at the highest point in Beverly Hills, and all of it could be yours for a billion dollars. Okay, it's hard not to say it that way. <laughs> you actually have a pinky up at you. Yeah, you so. do, yeah. <laughs> According to the L.A. Times, it's the most expensive listing in the city's history. At that price, the views are steep atop the parcel, called the mountain. The 63 hectare plot's almost twice the size of Disneyland. And the new owners will be able to see from downtown LA all the way to Catalina Island. So you could, like what can you, you could build like a bunch of houses. <laughs> Another yeah. Disneyland. Maybe like a whole neighborhood up there. Right. I think you'd have to. I'm, surpri I'm surprised that was never developed before. Yeah, all those years. <laughs> we'll, see what, we'll see what kind of crib is built up there on the mountain. Is this anybody's? I just found this on the desk. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> really? Name the monarch on it. Finders keepers. Are we going to go back there? Name the bird that's on this coin. His real name is Clarence, but he's actually a loon. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, I'm get a bag of chips now. <laughs> okay. The uh, BC Lions had last week off, which is probably good timing. They needed to get over their loss in Ottawa, a game they should have won, and get ready for Calgary this Saturday, a game most think they can't win. The uh, Stamps are, once again, best team in the league, 6-0, and and they have by far the best defense in the CFL so far. But the BC Lions believe their offense is getting better every week now that Travis Lule is running the show. Truth be known, the Lions offense Jarius Jackson designed had Travis Lule in mind. Someone who can read defenses quickly and get the ball out of his hands before it's too late. The great quarterbacks, uh, you know, the veteran quarterbacks that know what they're doing, uh, that know, you know, where the soft spots are, know where the checkdowns are. Uh, you know, this is what this offense is all about. The basic of this offense is get the ball in the hands of the receivers quickly and let them run with it. It's actually an offensive scheme a lot of teams have in the CFL. Ricky Ray, uh, you know, last year was running pretty much the same kind of offense. Uh, Trevor Harris runs pretty much the same kind of offense. Uh, uh, Mike Riley... The only thing, he's a little bit different. He likes to go downtown more than the rest of the guys. But, you know, you look at a lot of the uh, teams right now, uh, the quarterbacks are slightly different, but, you know, the style of offense is very similar. Which is why the Lions feel much more comfortable having a veteran quarterback with a computational mind. The quarterback has to have, uh, you know, the... Uh, the cerebral process about making quick decisions, uh, you know, dissecting things quickly and then, you know, transferring that into making the throw. So, you know, I, I think Travis is a very cerebral quarterback. Uh, he relies on that to really uh, help him be who he is.
and he'll have to be at genius level this Saturday to outthink the Stampeders defense. There's also a good chance Jeremiah Johnson will be back at running back for the Lions in that game against Calgary. He didn't play against Ottawa a couple of weeks ago because of an ankle injury. His replacement, Brandon Rutley, was doing well. Then he injured his knee. So Johnson getting back this week would be a big help for the BC Lions. Look how friendly he looks. I don't think the NHL has ever had a nicer looking guy who could hit you through the boards, punch you in the nose, and then score a hat trick just to rub it in. Aginla was always the smiling assassin, and today, after not playing last year, the Flames legend, the Kamloops Blazers legend, let's not forget about his glory days in Kamloops, two Memorial Cup wins. He finally retired from hockey. His next stop will be the Hall of Fame. He has never won the Stanley Cup, but he did win two Olympic gold medals, a World Junior title, World Championship title, World Cup championship, and the scoring title, I think, in 2002. And like most players, he hated the idea of having to give it all up. Playing in the NHL, it's not something that you're excited to get a congratulations for retiring. You know, it's... It wasn't an easy decision, but the time was right for Jerome Aginla to hang up his NHL jersey after 20 seasons in the city where it all began. Spending the 16 years with the Calgary Flames, a great organization, thank you so much for embracing me at 18 years old and as a city. And then even though I was from Edmonton, nobody held it against me. <laughs> Iggy made an impact as soon as he hit the ice in his first NHL game with the Flames in 1996. He signs a contract, comes downstairs, basically within a half an hour, does all of that, steps on the ice and doesn't miss a beat. That's Jerome McGinnon. Powering out of the corner and he picks up... That's what a mother really loves, is just how much people think of him and their memories of him. It's more than just hockey, you know, it's about you know, being around the city. When you play here, we always see as a player, it's just on the ice and stuff, but you make friends throughout the community. Aginla's hockey career began at age seven in St. Albert, Alberta. At his first practice, he didn't even have a jersey. His grandpa raced out to the sports store and returned with, you guessed it, a Flames jersey. It would be a sign of what was to come. If there's any kids out there who are, are close and competing and want it, you know, to, to making it and wondering if the sacrifices are worth it, uh, I assure you they are. Work as hard as you can. Give it your best. It's a wonderful, wonderful game to be a part of. Lisa McGregor, Global Sports. All right. 75-day suspension for domestic violence is coming to an end, and Toronto traded relief pitcher Roberto Asuna to the world champion Houston Astros today for reliever Ken Giles and minor league pitchers Hector Perez and David Polino. Polino was actually suspended last year for performance-enhancing drugs. He was at the time considered one of the top prospects for the Astros. Asuna has not pitched since May 6th. He was an all-star last year, 39 saves. He's eligible to pitch for the Astros starting on Sunday. And as you just said, going back to the story, Oh. About Aginla, his grandfather runs out and gets him a Flames jersey because in Edmonton, a Flames jersey would have been... Oh, it would have been on the bargain rack. <laughs> would, have been cheap, would have been the cheapest thing to They'd get. They'd pay you to take it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Gwen. Let's check in with Ann Drew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Sophie. A symbol of inclusion in a B.C. town has become the target of a hate crime. The new rainbow crosswalk in Salmon Arm has been in place for less than two weeks and has already been vandalized twice. Investigators believe the crime was motivated by hate. We'll tell you why and how residents are reacting. We'll have that story and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie? All right, thanks very much, Ann.
All right, she was one of the best free divers in the world and decided to pick up a different challenge. You'll be amazed when we come back. It's like the grouse grind times 100 in the water. And you, have no idea, and you have no idea what's underneath you. No, that's, that's right. That's the thing about swimming in the ocean. You don't know what's underneath you, but there's something underneath you. Yeah. Um, Talking about your buddy. Well, Jill Yonita, we first met her a number of years ago here. She was on the show, uh, I can't remember when, but she was a free diver then, which is a very dangerous sport as it is in the water. And swimming from Nanaimo to Seashelton back again is equally as tough. Uh, But she's doing it for a good cause. It's for Canuck Place. So let's uh, hear all about it, shall we? On August 3rd, Jill Yonita will get in the water off Neck Point near Nanaimo and try to swim to Sea Shelton back without stopping. 70 kilometers should take about 24 hours. I'd actually say this swim, it's, it's more mental than it is physical. Knowing myself, I know that I could kind of swim forever. Um, however, in these conditions, it's going to be tested because it is quite cold um, and swimming through the night I've never done before. Last year, she did essentially half the distance of this year's swim by going from Port Angeles to Victoria. And that swim taught her some lessons about how to get through the wall when you're getting mentally drained. There is, there's no stimulus for me during this swim. I'm basically just looking down into the dark water and that's all I see. So you do kind of hit a mental block. I'll sing songs in my head or um, I'll think of math, math games or um, I'll also let my mind go into a meditative state where I actually don't really think about anything at all. In many ways, it's remarkable Jill can even attempt this because issues in both of her legs essentially means this will be an upper body swim only. I have something right now called popliteal artery entrapment syndrome. I've had almost 15 surgeries, or I have had 15 surgeries. Um, So what happens is the main artery gets stuck in the calf muscles. So every time I engage my calf muscles, it cuts the artery off and I get, like, it's like a constant Charlie horse almost. So you're not going to be able to use your legs very much? No. So this is strictly arms? Mostly upper body, yeah. Now she will have extra motivation from the kids and families of Canuck Place, whom Yonita is raising money for with this swim. I just finished a tour of Canuck Place and got to meet one of the children here and um, see their art therapy. Those are the things I'm going to keep in the forefront of my mind this year when I'm doing this swim. When I feel like giving up, I'm going to think of these children and their families. I know that there's, there's over 700 children in BC right now registered with the Canuck program. So. so when you get in the water, you're getting in with them? I'm getting in with them. That is amazing. Wow. So, yes, and, and um, basically it's an upper body swim. Yeah. That's incredible. Unbelievable. Canuckplace.org uh, if you want to donate to Jill's Swim for Courage. And very quickly, before we go, big congrats to our co-worker Darcy Poley and his wife Crystal welcoming Yay. Lila Rose to the family very early yesterday morning. Everyone's happy and healthy. Congratulations, you guys. Awesome. Have a good night, all. Welcome to the world, Lila.